Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the gospel of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we pray at this point in the day where so much has happened and so much is yet to happen, we pray, Lord, that you would fill us with your peace. Help us to be still and attentive to your word, for we need to be taught by you. We need to be encouraged and refreshed by you. And Lord, we need you to hold up the mission you have for us so that we might follow in faith. For we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> yeah. It's in the hallway. Do you want to play for us, Linda? <laughs> the piano has not been stolen. We just didn't have a pianist today. So <laughs> say, that was weighing on you. Yeah, let's, yeah it's just back there. <laughs> Interesting. I hope that wasn't prophetic. (laughs) Um, Have you ever had to uh, write an exam in a gymnasium? Yeah. Good times, right? Yeah, when you're you're in there, all the tables are spaced out. You might see a friend a few rows over, but they know you cheated all year, so they won't let you sit next to each other. Uh, And then you've got, what do you call them? Scrutineers? What are they called? Proctors? invigilators, scary people, right, who are walking up and down the aisle and they're looking at what you're doing and they're making sure that no one's watching it. I can't remember if St. John High had a catwalk. Do you remember, John? Okay, some place where I wrote an exam, there was someone walking up on the catwalk looking down at you, and it was horrible. It's a dread type of feeling where it's really hard to focus on your work because you feel guilty and judged because they know what you're about to do if you can get away with it. Sorry, that was my own experience. (laughs) Uh, And I I heard reports this this year on CBC of, of students in university who have it even worse because they have to write their exams on computers. And so they have to sign into these things and they have a program 
that moderates them so that they keep an eye on their eye movements. Their microphone is turned on to see if anyone's speaking to them in the room. And if they look down too many times, they would say, let me take the camera down, point it down, let me see your desk to see what's going on. So these students were ultra stressed out because it went from a feeling for us of we are being watched to I'm being watched. So it was even more stressful for them. It's not a pleasant thing to be watched. And Jesus in this story was being watched. He was invited to have a Sabbath meal at a, at a prominent Pharisee's house. It would be very honoring to be in a place like that. But it wasn't the best kind of invitation because they brought him in to scrutinize him, to examine him, to test him. Now, if that were me, I probably would have sat in a corner and kept very quiet and very still. But Jesus came to bring the kingdom. And no matter how people treated him or judged him, nothing was going to change that. And so a part that we skipped over today for some weird reason in the lectionary is that Jesus healed someone in that, in that dinner. Someone that probably shouldn't have been there because he had dropsy, which is, you know, swelling. It's not very appetizing, right? You don't want someone like that at your feast. But was that person invited to test Jesus? I think so. And Jesus looked at this man and he spoke to the Pharisees and he said, is it legal, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? What did they do? They waited. And he took the man and he healed him. And then he looked at the Pharisees and judged them. He said, every one of you, if you had an ox or a donkey or a kid, depending on which translation, in a pit on the Sabbath, you'd do everything you could to get him out. What is different between that and this man who's suffering? They didn't say a word. But Jesus was still Jesus, and he did what Jesus does. Now, this was the Sabbath. It was the meal just before everything got started. And we looked at this last week a little bit. We, we talked about how for the Pharisees, the Sabbath was all about what must I not do in order to honor the Sabbath and so, therefore please God. But for the Christian, the Sabbath is very different. It's not about demanding that we rest from everything. Instead, because of Jesus and what, like his example today, we get to celebrate the kingdom. And so the Sabbath isn't what, what must I not do, it's what do we get to do. Because some of us who have proper jobs, who are going back on Monday, have to work 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week. You don't get to do what you want to do. But on the Sabbath, you get to do what God created you to do. And if it's, you know, enacting justice... Beauty, community, spirituality, the things that fill you up, the things that, that, that celebrate the coming of the kingdom, that's what the Sabbath is for now. Because we follow Jesus and we walk in his way, we do what he does. The problem is, the Pharisees had this worldview. We must obey the law perfectly. And if we do that, then God will bless us. And everyone who doesn't is working against that, and they should be treated like dirt. Do you have a similar thing? 
I'm going to have a little confession time here. David, plug your ears. I get really angry with my, my colleagues when they treat the Christian year like it's gospel. And it's the most important thing. And every year since I've been here, I've been here six years at this church. And every year somebody comes up to me very timidly in October and they say, Paul, can we please sing a Christmas hymn in Advent? Every year. And I'm like, of course we can. But let's not forget the Advent hymns either. It's important. But that's not the main thing. The main thing is the kingdom of God. It's seeing Jesus lifted up in our community. And that will make an impact in our neighborhood. We have a different view of Sabbath. We move on and Jesus sort of turns the table on, on his guests, on the other guests. And he starts observing them, scrutinizing them. He noticed how the guests picked places of honor at the table and told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, don't take the highest seat in case somebody comes in who's all that and then they get the highest place of honor and you have to go sit near the kitchen. Right? Don't be humiliated. Now the point here is not when you are invited to somebody's house, you don't go and sit in the pantry. That's weird. That's not the point. The seating is not the point. The attitude is the point. Jesus was in an honor-shame culture. Who he associated with mattered a great deal. And if he kept the wrong company, which he did, he would be shamed, which he didn't care about. Because he had the heart of the Father for everyone. But he was going in there saying, when you come to a place, be grateful that you're able to be there. And listen, the people around you aren't going to tarnish you or honor you, but they are a gift to you. So be there and be a blessing. Get over yourself. C.S. Lewis wrote that humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking about yourself less. John Lowndes (laughs) reminds us a lot that sin is self in the center. Jesus is exposing self in the center, self-interest. I got a text last Sunday from, and I got permission to share this, from Sean Branch, um, our parish development officer, who said, I just had an epiphany. He didn't say that. I'm making him sound smarter. Um, And he said, uh, as I was leaving church, I realized that it is a humble thing to go to church to hear that you have need of Jesus, that you have need of healing. Um, And when you go up to receive communion and to receive Jesus in that special way, that is a humbling thing because you need to receive Jesus more fully. We all do. But our world is just filled with narcissists. Donald Trump's. Right? It's all about me, myself, my self-development, my self-actualization, my self, self, self. And when you hold up the gospel where we are actually called to put Jesus in the center and not myself, that is a very hard, bitter pill to swallow for many people. How do we place Jesus in the center? There's a reason why we repent every day. (laughs) Because we need his help to do that. We need to get off of ourselves, get over ourselves and get to him. I've had so many conversations with people in the last few years who feel like they have to be perfect. Do you have conversations with people like that? They can't mess up. They they don't give themselves permission to mess up. Doesn't that sound exhausting? 
And one of the gifts that we have in Jesus is that he says, the work I began in you, I will see through to completion. There's freedom in not being perfect. So they say, I don't really know myself. (laughs) Moving right along. Um, Then Jesus said to his host, to his host now, the one who invited him to entrap him, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends or brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they might invite you back and so be repaid. But go to the least. They'll go to those in need and invite them. Now, I, part of me wants to take this literally. And, you know, it was Rachel's birthday last week, this past week. I should have gone down here on the trail and I should have scooped up every homeless person I met and I should have put them at the place of honor right next to, to Rachel with the birthday cake. Wouldn't she love that? Wouldn't that have been a great memory? Is that what Jesus is saying? No. That's the example he's giving. When we do something generous, and this is a hard question for us, are we calculating how it might benefit us in the end? I confess to doing that sometimes. Do you ever do that? How will this be of benefit to me? Again, the point here is to think less of ourselves and to simply be other-focused. How can we be a blessing to those around us? How can we add value? This is a question that we really need to ask here in Nashwaxis because as things have gotten, I don't know if you noticed, things are getting pretty scary here sometimes. There's a lot of stuff happening on site here that, that never used to happen. And the question is not how can we keep ourselves safe. The question is how can we be a blessing to people who are entrapped by addiction, who are stuck in patterns of poverty, of cycles of poverty? How can we break those cycles? How can we, in the name of Jesus, generate authentic healing community? Because it's got to go beyond the clubhouse. It's got to go beyond the club meetings. It involves living in a radical way by putting Jesus in the center. And when we do that, we look at other people and say, how does Jesus view that person and how can I bless them in his name? We may not be in a gymnasium taking an exam. Well, we're in a gym, I guess, but we're not taking an exam. But in our world, fewer and fewer people are being exposed to the gospel. We are called to be the good news people. Because other people aren't going to be reading the Bible. They're looking, they're looking for hope. And if we can embody the love of Jesus, maybe they can recognize that love. Maybe by the grace of God, they can receive that love and turn it back and reflect it to those around them. This is a scary time in some ways. It's also very exciting. Because we have a job to do in the name of Jesus. And we've got to get going. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that even while we were far off, you pursued us, you came for us, you loved us. So Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes to your possibilities, that you would help us to see where your hand is at work. And Lord, let us be the blessing you've called us to be. Let us be a transformative community in Nashwaxis and beyond so that people may come 
to see your love, to recognize it, to receive it, and to live in it. Jesus, be glorified in your church and in this place. Amen.